everyone. Welcome to Seeing Color, a podcast that talks with cultural workers and artists of color in order to expand the area of what is a predominantly white space in the arts. I'm your host, Ziwon Chong. Hey everyone, I hope you're doing okay. It has definitely been a strange, crazy week, and it seems like it's slowly calming down. It was four days of nail-biting election news and lots of uncertainty, but there seems to be some sort of clarity now. I definitely feel some sort of hope in spite of the fact that over 70 million Americans voted for an outright racist. With the bar so low, it seems that things have to get better, and I really hope that they do. I partially didn't release an episode last week because of the timing, but also I was in the middle of flying back to China. I was a bit stressed out with the whole ordeal of getting all the proper paperwork, visas, COVID tests, and jet lag. At the moment, I'm currently in Xiamen, and it is day six of the hotel quarantine. Um... I was just reflecting about just the difficulty of getting into China during this pandemic and how it contrasts with how it seems a lot of the uh, Western countries are dealing with it. Um, but just as sort of an overview of what I had to go through, I had to take a COVID test and have it timed so that the results are within 72 hours of the flight leaving going into China. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to board and then upon arriving, I had to take another test at the airport before being shuttled from the airport to a hotel that the government had arranged. Um, I'll be quarantined here for 14 days, and then I'll be tested uh, again for antibodies and for the nasal swab before I leave. And then after all that, I can finally leave to Zhuhai and other places around China. But anyway, so that's enough about me for today on the podcast. I am interviewing Marcus Scott Williams, a writer I met last winter at Vermont Studio Center. I still can't believe it's been over a year since this last happened and also right before the whole pandemic started. I spent a lot of time with Marcus that snowy January and I even did my first dick and poke for him. Before our interview, I read Marcus's book, sparse black whimsy and found it to be playful and thrilling. I've linked the book in the episode description if you are interested. Marcus had a long and winding path to get to where he is today, which we talk about along with vulnerability, questioning the need to be right all the time, and paying attention to the minor details in life. I hope you enjoy this. The only, the only thing I really have on you is your Instagram page. Which one? Oh, you have more than one. Well, there was a point in my life where I had five. And then as I like got further and further away from like having social media, like being like very active on social media, I kind of let some fall off. But like my main I one. I just have Marcus Scott Williams. Yeah, that's the main one. I have like a, there's another one that's like called Flash Memoirs that I've uh-huh. since abandoned. That's just like, just like loose writing. I haven't looked at it in a long time. I'll probably like let it go oh, maybe in September or something. Uh-huh. Uh, how's your day been? The day has been good. I've been like, it's like so cold here that I'm like 
not sleeping as comfortably as I want. Uh-huh. But so like I woke up and I was like cranky and like, you know, but I just kind of like napped all day. Um, but yeah, no, the day was good. I talked to my partner, I called called them on the phone, and then I FaceTime with one of my other friends who is a uh, his name is Nate. He's in Jamaica right now. Okay. He uh, he's a writer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why don't you start off with like, yeah, where were you born? I was born and raised in Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah. Um, and I always say the Missouri part because people who are from the coast always just associate Kansas City with Kansas, which is fine. But yeah, I'm from Missouri. Yeah. 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 The born and cities. raised. Yeah, left when I w- was 18 after I graduated high school and lived in Chicago for a few years. Um, what did you, you do in Chicago? Chicago, I went to Columbia College, Chicago for one year. I was paying for it on my own. I took like a big ass fucking loan out. Um, and then I couldn't pay for a second year. So I just like was living out there. Um, what were you studying? At the time I was studying, I think the degree was audio arts and acoustics. Okay. Because I was interested, well... I've always been like writing, you know, like that's a thing that I've done since I can like remember since I was like three or four or whatever. The first real like creative thing that I intentionally tried to do was to make music and like to make beats specifically. Mm-hmm. So when I was 14, I taught myself how to make beats. What'd you use? Um, Fruity Loops. Okay. Yeah. And so I was just like really into making beats all throughout high school. I didn't know this at the time. I wasn't interested in like being a musician. And at, I think that my concentration was going to be like, like sound some kind of sound design for like film yeah some shit like that um but i'm just like interested in sound in general but i was only there for a year so i didn't learn too much you know yeah yeah but i was in columbia college chicago for one year and then i just lived out there for two years where did i go after that i left and went to columbia missouri what is there like the University of Missouri oh. is there. Yeah. Um, and a couple of my close friends, Justin Rodier and my, one of my very best friends since high school, William Tony, um, they were both graduating that year. And so I was just like, I'm gonna just come live with y'all. And so I lived there for a year, went back to Kansas city for a little bit, went up to Angel Fire, New Mexico for like seven or eight months. Okay. Why? Um, I had had a job at the Alamo draft house in Kansas city. Um, <laughs> And had met my friend, Jessica, who she, we like very briefly dated and then for like, well, very briefly dated, like dated for like a couple weeks. And then she was like, I want to like sleep with women. And I was like, okay, for sure. And so like, we were just friends and she was just not liking Kansas City and I was trying to escape again. Mm -hmm. She's from Oklahoma and her parents had a vacation house in Angel Fire. So she grew up going to Angel Fire. And so she was like, do you want to like come out there I'm thinking about getting like a a house out there or something so I went out there for like six or seven months and we had to leave because there's no fucking jobs it was just like a small resort town there was barely any young people so like yeah just like I had to leave I moved to after that I moved to I was still like trying to not move back to Kansas City so I moved with her to Oklahoma to Bartlesville Oklahoma for like a month and a half, maybe two months. We're moving to really remote places. Yeah, I was really like, I'm just <laughs> I like I haven't heard of these <clears throat> these towns. Look, I don't like to talk shit about any place, but Bartlesville, Oklahoma, is not an interesting <laughs> place. It's just like very desolate. Like I lived in a trailer park. The trailer park had like craters in it, so you had to like it was like a fucking video game trying to drive around. Mario to my, Kart. Yeah, like it was fucking wild. But yeah, I was just really trying to like 
if I felt defeated trying to come back to like Kansas City and like essentially start back over and like was struggling with like, I don't have a college degree. I don't have any like skills, quote unquote, you know, like, so I was just trying to escape. And then were your parents worried? Yeah, for sure. Like my parents were definitely worried. I mean, I think my parents, shout out to them, really kind of trust my decision making and like just support me in whatever I'm doing. So they were very worried, but they were like, okay, just like, okay, like, are you good? Like, as long as you're good. But yeah, I had to leave Oklahoma, one, because like I couldn't find a job and one and two, because like, it's just like a trash place. I couldn't fucking be there anymore. Then I moved back to Kansas City um, for maybe like another eight or nine months. And then I moved to New York in November of 2014. Yeah. Oh, and I've been, okay. Yeah. Then I've been out there in New York since. You just like, you, what brought you to New York? You just wanted to try it out or? I, it was between, cause since Chicago, I lived in like really small towns, you right. know? Um, and I like done the small town thing, but I really just wanted to live in a city again, mm. but I didn't want to go back to Chicago because there was except for like one or two of my very close friends had like left and gone to like New York or LA. Mm. And so I was thinking about going to either New York or LA. I was like, I want to just do in one of like the major cities um, for no other reason than just to be in like a city. I didn't have a, I didn't have anything in planned. And so I moved to New York because one, I transferred my job from the Alamo draft house in Kansas city to one in Yonkers. And I like had people out there and I was like, yeah, I don't have to have a, car so let me just try it out and then it just ended up working out and this whole time you've been you were continuing to write you were continuing to make music on your computer or, or you just sort of living life <clears throat> i think that i was sort of living life i think that like which is totally cool because i lived life for a while and didn't do any art <laughs> yeah i think that like i was i was kind of writing i was kind of like making music i think ever since i was probably so i moved to new york when i was 24 I had stopped really making music when I was 20 or 21. Uh-huh. I still like do it for catharsis and cause I fuck with sound and be, it's just like a way to like, it's another way. I I think that I, all of my practices I kind of do in the same way. So it was just like, it's just like something that I like still like enjoy to do when I have like the time to really sit down and like spend hours like yeah, yeah. making music. But I had like, I realized I didn't want to be a musician. I didn't want to fuck with the music industry or anything like that at all. And so when I was 20 in Chicago, I started writing initially screenplays. And then I was like, I don't want to be a filmmaker either just because like. Well, it, at this time, you, weren't you also working doing the Sundance stuff or that's later? Oh, so like that was. Am I skipping ahead? You're skipping ahead. I okay, mean, I really, sorry. no, no, it's good. Cause like, you know, I like bounced around, you know, I like really like took any opportunity I can to like go to a new place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I started writing again for the first time, like intentionally, like, and I'd always kind of written and always knew that I like had some kind of talent with writing or like using kind of words or like playing around with words. Did you keep a diary or, um, did I keep a diary? No, not really. Okay. I think that like a lot of my writing practice was not writing before, before I started like writing screenplays and stuff like that, a lot of my writing practice was just listening to rap and just like kind of understanding how they use words and like how to play with words. And ever since I was in like second or third grade, I would just like make up words and just like kind of play around with words. So that was just always something that was like ever present in my life. So I never really thought about it. Yeah. But then I started writing intentionally and I didn't want to do screenplays because um, I didn't want to be a filmmaker and I didn't want, you know, I wanted to like write something that's mine and not like have to like write something and like compromise in order to make it or like, I just was not interested in like 
seriously being a filmmaker i would like kind of make films and i have kind of made like some weird kind of experimental docs but so yeah and then i think that right before i moved to new york i started trying to write short stories and started to write fiction which went horribly because i think fiction is just like the hardest shit to write yeah I've never, I've never tried. I think, well, I, I mean, I think I did it as a kid. Yeah, yeah. I was given an assignment, but I have not written like yeah. f- fictitious. Well, I don't know, maybe some of my videos are, but yeah, yeah. It's it's hard. It's hard. It's like I feel like people think that like poetry has no rules, but like poetry has all the rules. Yeah, all the like workshops and stuff I've been in in poetry. It's all like talks about form and line breaks and whatever. And I think the fiction has no rules, hmm. where it's like you can make fiction do kind of anything if, I mean, you just like, but, but because of that, it's like, what are you going to do? You know? Yeah. But I wasn't like a great fiction writer. I think that I was always good at like, kind of like painting some images and like arranging sentences and kind of, you know, it kind of helped me like develop my voice and kind of like understand what I was kind of interested in. Yeah. But yeah. And so I think that, I think it was like the beginning of 2016, I started writing, I started kind of keeping what I call flash memoirs, which What's ended it, up, it, what is that? Which it ended up being the book. Oh, okay. So like I started kind of like not journaling, but keeping like little records of my day um, and just kind of like writing little, little short impressionistic things that would end up kind of informing my writing style. And the book that Mark is talking about is Sparse Black Whimsy, a memoir. Yeah. My very first book. It's a good book. Is your favorite first book? It's my favorite first book, yeah. Okay. I mean, I feel like I've written other things that could have been my first book, oh, okay, and you yeah, know, like yeah. in those yeah. that have not been published. This is those. the book. Yeah, the this book is the, the book. book. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, and so yeah, 2016 is when I really started like trying to actually be a writer again because I started writing the Flash memoirs just because I don't know what compelled me. I just had kind of started writing little impressionistic things. On, actually, I remember the day it was the first like flash memoir I like seriously wrote was May third, twenty sixteen. Is it in this book? It's not in that book. Okay. Um, I had gotten it maybe published some on some like online magazine somewhere, like and like a really small one, like a not name brand one. Is a flash memoir different than a diary entry? Is it like starts as a diary and then you play with it, or like this is a very carefully considered thing that makes it seem like a diary? Or a train of thought? I think that initially what what had me like writing the flash memoirs or thinking about how people write and read memoirs was 2015, 2016. Uh, I've always like been a reader. 2015, 2016, I was reading a bunch of memoirs hmm. and I realized that specifically reading Philip Glass's memoir, which is horrible. Like it's, he's not a writer. He is a wonderful musician. He's not a writer. Um, but like, but that's my own opinion. But did he write or did he have a ghostwriter? I think that he must've had a ghostwriter. And I it's still so. bad. Yeah. And it's still pretty bad. I don't know. Um, but yeah, he is not a writer. I love Philip Glass's music. It's very like inspirational to me, but like, he's not a writer. Yeah. But so like reading that book specifically and a couple other ones who I can't remember, it made me realize that like memoirs are usually structured with the emphasis being on very big moments. Uh-huh. And so it's just like, I, I, you know, I was born and I did this when I was a kid and then I went to Juilliard and yeah. then like I met this person who became a famous artist. Like I met Ornette Coleman and yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever. And then I won a Pulitzer Prize, you know, like it was all like kind of the big things. And I feel like what I was really interested in is the failures, mm. you know, because like as somebody without a college degree 
who was like self-taught. I never really took a creative writing class. I never took an art class. I just kind of like consumed yeah. and then like tried to make it myself from what I understood. Yeah you know, from what I was taking in. Yeah. So what I was interested in is like the failures and what people had like tried to do and really failed on, but more importantly, how they kind of learned from that experience right? Um, and how they built up to the thing. Cause I mean, like I'm interested in like, I mean, that's cool that you want a big thing, but like I'm, I'm, I'm interested in the small moments. So I started writing the flash memoirs as a way to kind of one, it's like kind of like emotional record keeping for me. Cause I have ADHD pretty bad. And like I wasn't medicated until my late twenties and so a lot of my memories, I feel like I don't have images for, or I have like really quick kind of non, like very swift images for. But because like, you're medicated? No, just because like I have like running thoughts all the time uh, okay. and shit. Yeah. And so like a lot of when I think back to a particular time in my life, if I can't think of a clear picture. Mm. I can't think of a clear picture, but I can feel the emotion. Mm. Um and then I realized there were points in my life where I like kind of blacked out because I was like highly anxious, emotional. And like, yeah. I was like, damn, I really wish I kind of had a way to like, just kind of remember physically where I was at. Yeah. And so the flash memoirs kind of started in a way that's like, I want to track the small moments in my life just to see, just to kind of remember and just to kind of see what I'm thinking about and kind of uh, timestamp it. So are you at this point constantly writing uh, or like... So when I first started writing the memoirs, I think I spent like a full year writing every day. Wow. And I think that a lot of that came, it ended up being in the book and like a lot of it, I just kept it really, I can probably show you. I have like sports, is like something Wendy. you want to read or is, or something? I'll read this, but I want to finish the story first. But okay, like, yeah, yeah. Um, sports, like Wednesday was just like in one giant note, like in my phone, like the this whole, oh, the whole book. Including yeah. things that weren't in. Including oh, things okay. that weren't in there wow. things that ended up being cut. Yeah, so I think that the Flash memoirs were, I wrote every day for like a year. And after I felt like very comfortable and kind of like how I'm using language and where kind of my voice was going. Yeah, I kind of, I trust my voice. I trust the work that I'm writing. And so it's like, now I only do it when I'm absolutely compelled to. Because yeah. sometimes I'll think of a good sentence or I'll say something kind of silly and I'm like, oh, that's funny. Like, yeah. that's whatever, but I won't write it down. Yeah. But then there are other points where I'll say something and I'll think about it all day and I can't go to sleep because I'm like, remember this. And I'm like, okay, I have to write this down. Yeah, yeah. And kind of trusting that kind of compulsion. And like, so like, that's my main writing yeah. practice right now. But yeah, initially it was just like every day to try to develop it. Yeah. Cause I'm, yeah, I'm always like writing in my head. I'm always like just kind of rearranging words and thinking about words and I'll write like a few sentences a day and some of them won't end up being anything. I got just like loose notes on my phone that won't ever be anything, but it's just like, and like they're shitty or whatever, but it's like, I'm constantly like doing something or thinking about something yeah. and just like kind of processing work in a way that makes it feel like I'm constantly just flexing my creative muscles in some kind of way yeah you know yeah so um before you read i just was quickly thinking back you said that your initial memoir was just all in one note so by the end you didn't know when was what right nah yeah so, so it became, but, but, so it's funny because it became the very thing that you were referring to which is just a blur of stuff yeah and so it's interesting but it is all in a uh, chronological order like sparse okay. black whimsy is in chronological order oh it is yeah i didn't date any of those though the loose ones i would write loose ones um a couple got published like in random like really small like online magazines and i would like time stamp or date stamp those but for sparse black whimsy and sometimes when i just like when i'm writing specifically like a flash a book of flash memoirs and like this kind of style 
I just kind of pick an arbitrary start and end point. Mm. And it's just like, okay, everything that I write within this time period is going to be contained in this thing. Mm. Um, and I always try to keep it in like chronological order. So it like kind of, at least the ideas, it seems kind of like follow some kind of thread, at least in my head, like it makes sense, like moving day to day or like yeah. it's, it's moving somewhere. It's like literally progressing through time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So, Do you want to read or I can keep it, we can keep talking? Yeah, I'll read some shit. Yeah, so the I wrote a piece specifically for uh, Res Prez. Res Prez is resident presentation at this residency. Yeah, yeah. We um, get five minutes. Yeah. I or think seven, I, seven, seven. I think I probably took four. Like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go on for very long, but yeah, I'll read it. It doesn't have a title. I, and um, also like I missed it because I was, I, I was in Maine giving a talk. So I, yeah, so. I think though that, uh. I think Almaz took some videos of mine, Jova's, Cindy's, and maybe Aunt Kathy's. Mm -hmm. But so this is the, the the piece that I read for a resident presentation. It doesn't have a title. I stare at the Gihon from behind a window that's behind a fence of leafless stick talk that's in front of a snow-covered bank, a surprisingly green grass perforating the white where the white has flown away. I'm looking at a map of black and brown neighborhoods in a big city. But instead of black, the white wills it green to map potential investments. <laughs> Actually, some of the sticks is talking green, too. Rising high out the white, reaching into the sky, scraping whatever coming close. Wondering about the functionality of scraping. Will it destroy or reseed? And anyway, it's semantics that hides the true nature of growth. I can't turn out the lights until it's too black to see the green until Gihon turns from fast-moving brown to fast-moving black, both black and brown speeding in the same direction. Movement at once so chaotic as to overwhelm me until the realization of order, that it flows one way, maybe, that there was something to follow. This made me feel like the river really understood where the fuck I was coming from. I am in a situation. I am isolated to the real world. Or what I'm saying is I'm isolated to tangibility. There's this internal struggle of whether to capture the Gihon in writing or with video. I must question what it is that I want to create. How can I create a thing that already exists? Would it be more effective to point y'all in the direction of the thing that already exists? To skirt around the connection between capture and conquer folded into the creases of my brain? Without any social media, I must be intentional with my creations. Like actually make make something. Rather than make 15 to 30 second recordings with the location tag that passively announces that I've seen a thing and this is the thing. Trying to be intentional about who I'm telling to if my circles is small now. Small worlds be smacking low key. Don't sleep on my size. I must question intentionality. A recording for the sake of memory? For whose memory? For, for what? I'm just, I need to figure out why or just like if the why is important. The CDC said in 2017 that Alzheimer's rates rose 55% from 99 to 2014. I'm too shook to search new statistics. What do I do anything for? Never properly planned for futures. I piss in the dark to keep that grayed out cohesion from the room to bathroom. I look at Gihon bunking, folding, crumpling in on itself like the hemisphere of my brain stretched out yet keeping its secrets. It's like me out there, that's my nigga, moving. Some ripples ain't got no business being understood. Hmm. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, part of my presentation too, um, and part of the reason, part of the things that I've been thinking about 
while I'm here because that's the only thing that I've written while I'm out here. I've written maybe like a sentence or two, just kind of like I, I had a I have a notebook that I'm just like taking notes on the things that I'm reading and like yeah. just like thinking about my work. And I think like kind of the function of like the flash memoirs and how I wrote and how I write is I like it because it's like we and we talk about how we kind of create work without knowing a necessary an endpoint. Yeah, just yeah. like kind of collecting, you know, information, kind of collecting materials and just kind of making right. because you're compelled to make and then like it'll kind of work itself out. And so the flash memoirs in this way is like. I'm trying to capture the minutia of my day that like affects me just like, mm. Oh, I see this color or something that like really like affects me so much that I have to write. Or I hear this conversation that's kind of weird and pisses me off or thing, just like collecting that minutia that kind of builds on itself and that kind of in the work informs itself or like takes its own kind of direction. And I'm trying to like just form a more genre fluid kind of writing style um and then i'm just trying to like let the work inform itself and so i think the flash memoirs are pretty interesting because they're about me but i'm also like inviting the reader in i try to keep it as conversational as possible i try to keep it kind of like exactly how i talk so it's like if you have a conversation with me you and you read the book it's like oh i can I, i can pick it up i understand what he's saying i understand his cadence i understand his rhythm and stuff like that um, and I try to like break the fourth wall. I say yeah. y'all a lot just to be like, just to ask the reader a question, just trying to invite them in. And I think that that's important to me because I don't really, yeah, I don't really initially know what the work is going to be or what it's going to be about or what I'm trying to say. I have an idea of like, I'm compelled to, I'm thinking about this thing, but I don't know what I'm trying to say, you know? And so I want to make it conversational and I want to invite the reader in because I think that the reader also kind of, it's a conversation. The reader kind of informs me what I am thinking about or kind of strengthens, you know, what I'm thinking about or kind of, you know, I've had a lot of experiences of people reading the book and I don't, I can't remember specific comments, but it's like, oh, I read the book and like thought this thing about it or like I experienced it in this way. Uh And I'm like, oh, okay, that's not, that's not something that I would have gotten out of it or that I got out of it when I read now, but that's so interesting. And like, how are people like consuming it? And like, how are people reading and what are they getting out of it? Or things that I am being a little more intentional about, are they missing those things? Are they getting those things? And I'm just kind of interested in like, and like how like the engagement and like the writer versus reader, you know, like I want, I, you know, I want there to be like a connection. I'm always looking for like connection in my writing. Cause like, yeah, writing, I mean, I feel like there are a lot of writers that are pretty good, but like, I feel like if you, if I don't feel you in it, I feel like this way about a lot of poets too. Like if I don't feel you in it or, you know, if what you're saying is important or I should know it, it's like moving in some kind of way. Um, but I don't like feel you in it. I feel like I can't feel the emotions in it. And so like, I want to just like be vulnerable and be open and just like have conversations. Yeah. I remember like I talked to you about how you sometimes also feel like this memoir is a bit distant because you published in 2017. Yeah. Right. And so um, has your writing style changed since then? Um, What about it feels distant to you? I think there are just points in it that like, and see, this goes back to the emotional record keeping. I think that, and I can't remember like specific points in the book, but reading it, I'm, I'm one of my friends um, Daniel Owens, shout out to him. He's a musician in New York. He's a jazz musician. He's recording the audio book and just kind of reading that it's, it's interesting to see like kind of the ways in which my anxiety was manifesting itself and 
how far I've come since then, like how I found like new ways to cope with specific mm. anxieties or mm. thoughts that I had that are no, that I understand a lot more or like, you know, I was having some trouble, you know, with, you know, certain things or, or just trying to expose my own like ignorance. Like there's a part in the book that I, that I remember like often that I think is a good example of like, I can't remember which chapter, but it's like me on the train and I'm like sitting like next to or behind these like two white women who are going to brunch on the Upper East Side mm-hmm. who are like talking about like the calories and avocado toast. And I'm like pissed. <laughs> I'm like, how the fuck dare? Like I, I said, like, I think I call one of them a bitch. And like, I'm like all type of like, how dare you? There are people starving. You, there's more shit to worry about, blah, blah, blah. But in the same, like in the same little memoir, I check myself because I'm like, yo, you just like woke up, like did cocaine and you're also going like, you know, like you're going to the Upper East Side too to have brunch and probably will eat the same thing. So like, (laughs) I think that like, it's interesting to see like ways in which I've grown or ways in which I can recognize, you know, just like my emotional progression. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that's just like a really important to me. And also I think that it's like, it's a good way to see like what is the narrative thread throughout like my life and work yeah and i think that my writing has grown i think it like i think i can use my language a little more concisely i think that i am trying to branch out into i never saw this as poetry even though it's kind of listed as poetry and that's that's fine but i'm trying to branch out into into more things like i want to write some kind of fiction eventually (laughs) i want to like write essays I want to like kind of blend everything so I'm a little more confident in the way that I write and I don't have to write every day like I used to while I was reading while I was writing this book yeah but yeah I think that it's just like a good way to kind of just see where I was at and how I've grown did you edit the book yeah I very lightly edited it I think a lot specifically with this book I think because so much of it was just like what am I seeing feeling the moment yeah it's just about the moment so I wanted to like I wanted to edit it for, you know, maybe just like make the flow a little better, but I wanted to keep some of those like... Did you change the names? I changed some names. Some of the people, I think that there's a couple people who are like named in the book. Um, Like one of the characters' names is Troop and her name is Troopty. It's a good friend of mine. Yeah, I think you got Dead Body. Dead Body is another friend of mine. That's that's actual name. That's not the actual okay, name. Okay. No, no, I won't. I won't say his name. Yeah, yeah, that's not the actual name. Um, that's fine. I mean, but, some people have nicknames. Yeah, and then like you know, I, I also ask like all my friends like, yo, I'm writing this shit. Like, let me know if you don't want to be named because like we're also like, I don't know, like we're smoking, we're doing like adult shit, and like some people have families yeah. who don't want to know about this shit. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I respect that. But yeah, I very lightly edited it. I wanted to keep kind of the rawness of the moment. And even when I read it, there are like misspellings in some of the words or like words that I kind of would have changed then and now. But I kind of just like those imperfections because it also marks the ways in which I've grown, you know. And I'm just like not afraid to like, you know, fuck up or not. I don't even think it's a fuck up. I'm not afraid to like do something that's not perfect, you know. And I think that that is pretty... I don't even know what perfect means. Yeah, you know, or just like perfectly grammatical or like perfectly metered or like I don't care about any of that. You know, it's like is the emotionality there? And Mm -hmm. if it is like no matter if it's like spelled weird or if the flow is a little off, it's like if the emotions are coming across, then it is successful in my eyes. And um, going back to your the, the thing that you just read, I was struck by, I mean, not to like tie back to me, but I liked I feel like the way that I write my stories, I can play the way that you named color was very um, 
it really I thought a lot about like how I was using color and and words yeah. and your and in this in this particular one you keep the keywords of like white black green just normal yeah. and not asking the fires of things yeah for sure um, and yeah. yeah and like I like how playful that is because I mean li- I mean it's literally like the colors that I saw you know I'm not like over personifying something to make a point across but I am saying something yeah, like yeah. I'm clearly saying something but like. And like, that's what I like about, that's what I like that too, because it's like, I'm saying something, but you don't necessarily, if you don't pick it up, that's cool. Did you enjoy reading it? Like yeah. you have fun with it, then that's cool. If you want to have a conversation about my intention or like what I'm trying to say, we can have that conversation. But like, firstly, like, did you enjoy it? You know, I want to like make it fun first. Yeah. And have your parents read your stuff? Yeah. But yeah, my parents read it. And before I, before they got it, I was just like, yo, just so you know, there's a lot of drug references in there. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. And um, and it's like pretty profane. So just so you know, and like my parents cuss or whatever, so I don't give a fuck. But like, but yeah, but they liked it surprisingly. And what, so, what do your parents do? My dad currently is, uh, I don't know if he is a manager or a supervisor of environmental services at, I forget the hospital okay. um, in Kansas City. My mom works in insurance. Which is kind of ambiguous. I don't. I and they don't, grew up in Kansas City. Yeah, my mom. They both grew. Were born and raised in Kansas City. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my dad has been like doing kind of like cleaning, housekeeping things all my life. I mean, when I was, he had a commercial cleaning business where he would go to different buildings and clean, um, and just you know like clean the building after hours. From the time I was a kid, and I from like the time I was eleven to sixteen when he lost his business because he couldn't sustain the business and just other economic shit, I like worked with him. So like I spent mm-hmm. a lot of time with my dad that way, which was nice because he would usually work nights yeah, or something like that. So like we really bonded like in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing I want to talk about is you also have a podcast. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So the podcast is called RITFB, which is short for run it the fuck back. And we had to, we had to like abbreviate it because Why? like, well, like I think it's like Apple podcast. Oh, they don't, don't like, they don't have they fuck don't, in it. Yeah, yeah. Like they denied it or some, some, you know, some fucking bullshit censorship shit, but like whatever. Yeah. So run it the fuck back is just me and Peach Curls. We are just like, I don't want to say reviewing albums because I I don't think that it's necessarily reviewing albums, but we're talking about like the impact of albums. Mm. I think it started because... We were talking about Akon's first album and we were kind of like poking fun at Akon because it's just like, oh, this shit is so silly, whatever, whatever. Locked Up is like kind of good or whatever. But we listened to his first album because we were just all sitting around or whatever. And we listened to it. We was like, actually, this shit fucking slaps. This shit is good. Mm-hmm. Like, And we were like, what other albums could like we run back that we have like, that were far enough away from? And I don't think we have done like very, very old albums. I think mostly from like the early 90s to the early mid 2000s. Um, yeah so it's like what other albums could we run back that are f- far enough away that people know that are far enough away that we can like see the ripples of their influence yeah yeah and I so after the and like I think it was we had done the Akon album and we had talked about how Akon had signed T-Pain and we started just like really getting into talking about T-Pain's influences which are like huge in like rap and r and I mean he was really like the one who pushed was doing auto-tune the earliest and really pushed the auto-tune which affected Lil Wayne and Kanye and like Lil Wayne and Kanye are like icons you know and so like they really like 
So starting from like kind of T Pain, like mm-hmm. he, just him doing this thing, and he was also like a rapper who turned into a singer and like started to really like blend the two. Which before it was like rappers were, I mean, rap is very hyper masculine mm-hmm. all all the time, you know, which is another conversation. But he's like rappers didn't fucking sing because like singing was like some soft shit, you know. Um, but T-Pain was a rapper who started singing and like started doing all this weird shit with auto-tune in his voice and he actually is a good singer and a good rapper and a producer and dancer but we just started talking about influences and so we started to just talk about how uh, yeah like just like thinking about the albums that like affected our life or ones that we wanted to listen to again that we hadn't really like deeply engaged with when we were kids yeah yeah but I think that I learned more from writing I learned more from writing from rappers than from writers. Mm-hmm. Just the way they control rhythm, like how they kind of create words. I mean, Bling was created by Lil Wayne like in 99 and like now it's a part of the lexicon. It's like in the dictionary, you know. Um, and so rap always just kind of interested me for that reason. And it, I mean, it spoke to like a lot of my experiences too, but just like the way they use words and kind of how they fudged it and how they, you know, it is poetry and it is like tr- telling a story. It's all of that shit. So it's like, so I'm always just listening to rap if I'm like in the kitchen and like working, like, you know, doing dishes or, yeah. you know, doing this thing and people or, or I'll ask people like, like, what rap do you listen to? You know, just kind of just interested in seeing how, because I also think it is sort of strange that people who say they listen to music don't listen to rap because it's like rap affects all genres in America. Like, you know, like it's so such a big part. I mean, even from like the use of 808s to like, you know, 116th hi-hats to like you know what i'm saying just like you know like the way that production is done like rap had a hand in that and so like it's weird to me when people listen to things that are like very rappy that they don't see as rap or like they are just like well fuck rap but i listen to this shit you know it's like yeah but like people were always talking about like oh i like electronic music i like like jay dilla i'm like jay dilla makes beats that is rap or like yeah. people are like i really like flying lotus it's like weird electronic shit i'm like yeah. flying lotus is making beats like yeah. he's making rap for, songs for, yeah 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 you know and it's just like and it's very like electronic it's very influenced by jazz and you and know, they're other, and they're all in the same crowd yeah and they're yeah. all in the same crowd and so it's just like I'm just like interested in like, you know, the mo the people who, you know, buy the most rapper engage with the most are white people. And so I'm just interested in what people are engaging with mm. and people are like often like, Oh, I don't like rap because it's violent. And I just try to push and like, maybe it's just me just kind of like poking too. Cause it's like, I try to push back at that. Cause like, cause they like why- saving private Ryan. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, why the fuck? Like, yeah, it's violent. I mean, you're fucking, you know, you got fucking a gun rack in your house. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. What is the fucking difference? You know, like, yeah. So. Yeah. But yeah, everybody listen to rap. There's enough rap out there now that like you'll find something that you like. You know, you don't have to listen to the hyper masculine shit, even though that's the most pervasive shit. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And you you're on a hiatus for the podcast, right? Yeah. So it's on hiatus right now. We do have some other episodes recorded that aren't released, but sometimes I do wish. I wonder. Not wish. Well, I wonder what's it like to have a co-host. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, like we also we have tried to do episodes with featured guests that haven't worked out yet because like we just had like some skype like connectivity like our like the mixer is fucked up like so just some shit like that but we want to like start inviting people in too and just kind of like making a space because i mean like literally like many of my friends we just like sit listen to music and like talk about music so yeah we want to do that so yeah and it's helpful to to just like think about that just because like i find myself kind of reading and you know, like reading more or 
you know, like just thinking about other shit um, and not listening to music as frequently as I would like to, even though I do listen to music frequently. But just like talking to him and some of our other friends, it's just like, okay, they keep me up on everything. Yeah. And I mean, it's hard to know, do everything. It's, it's so, so hard. fucking hard to do everything, you know? You know? Like, um, I don't I don't listen enough, to, enough music because like I try to read, I try to like watch yeah. movies. Yeah. And then like, I also, I think, I don't know if I told you this, but like, I actually love silence. Yeah. And so usually in, um, when given an opportunity, I'll actually like prefer to like walk in silence or like, mm-hmm. Uh, drive in silence or yeah I mean like I even it's hard I don't know I've like even bought like a bluetooth speaker when I went in China and I was Mm -hmm. like I put on some music it was really nice but then like a lot of times I was just like be like oh it's fine silence is 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 what I feel like right now yeah you know and uh yeah yeah anytime I go back to like Kansas City my mom or, or my dad or my stepdad will let me just like throw me their car and be like, you can drive it, whatever, you know? And so like, I will just like, at the end of the night, if I'm like hanging out with some of my friends, I'll like go back and I'll like put on a song and I'm like, I'll turn it off immediately. Cause I'm just like, I just want to like just drive and yeah. like just think and just like drive in silence. Um, and it's so nice. And like the way I meditate too, is just like going on long walks, like by myself, not mm. talking to nobody, not like I'll leave my phone at home and just like, and like New York is made for walkers, you know, so it's just like I'm just fucking like walking for however long and just kind of like yeah. processing and just kind of like letting my brain do what it wants to do. Uh, you were paint. Did you paint? Did you, I mean, in the book, you talked a lot about painting. Yeah, I think that um, I have I was I was just kind of like painting because I had a bunch of like scrap wood that I painted on. I'm not a good painter and I'm not patient enough to be mm-hmm. a painter. And I feel like if you want to paint, you have to be very patient. So, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'm just like, I don't know anything about painting really, but I have like other practices. Like I make videos um, and sometimes I make sculptures, but I even I have to scale the sculptures back because I have no fucking space. Like mm. where am I going to house all this mm. shit? But yeah, I think that my other practice is mostly making videos, which I think are pretty very similar to the flash memoirs and sparse black whimsy in the way that's just like, I kind of like just accumulate videos and like kind of put it together in a way that's not like kind of reconstruct my memory. A couple of my videos, well, one that I'm thinking of specifically, I had a show um, with this gallery, Hall Gallery in New York. It's a really small gallery that's pretty cool. Where is it? Um, It's it's in, uh, is that Gowanus? It's on 4th Street. So Lower Lower East Side? No, it's in Brooklyn. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like 4th Ave and 9th Street in Gowanus, I think. It's literally like in a little basement. Okay. They're super cool. They really fuck with me. They had like a group show that I was in and I showed this one video called Soft Corners. A lot of my videos are about kind of either either like exactly like a kind of a flash memoir in video. Like it's just like I'm doing this. I'm feeling this. I'm seeing do you, this. Do you think it's separate or accompanies? I think it accompanies. I mean, I kind of look at all the practices kind of the same. I kind of think about them and make them the same. It's all like really kind of sample based. Or just different, different forms of expression. Yeah, just yeah. forms of expression. And it's like I'm thinking I'm interested and it's... I follow the compulsion to be like, I'm taking these videos for some reason. Like I'm compelled to take a video and like I'm accumulating them and I'll put them together and it's like, okay, this is something and I'll let it sit, you know, for however long and I'll come back and I'm like, okay, there's still something here. And, you know, um, but yeah, a lot of them I think are about either like a direct, like it's just a flash memoir in video form or it's about comfortable spaces. Like I realized I kind of put together a bunch of clips of the part, the, Bronx apartment that I had moved out of um, recently in um, last May 
Um, I just had like videos of me like as the room is like stuff is coming out of the room as like as I was packing up. But I was thinking about another video I made called Soft Corners. That's like the first apartment in the Bronx that I lived in. It's just like. Did you reference it here? I felt like you it, it was written. It. it was written in. I remember reading Soft Corners, but I didn't know what it was. I'm not sure if it was specifically referencing that video. I don't. I can't remember when I made the video. I was definitely taking the videos at the same time because at the time that I was talking about painting and yeah. talking about some of that little shit, there are videos of the, like the paintings and like the little weird shit that I was doing there. Um, but yeah, so just comfortable spaces. I think yeah. it's just like, and I'm taking kind of videos of the new apartment me and Mer moved into now just as like, to just kind of track its progression. Yeah. Um, just because like space is a fucking commodity in New York. And so like- It's crazy. Yeah, it's like, and the the room that I lived in in the Bronx, the first year, two and a half years was very tiny and like- Like a closet. Like a closet, yeah. And like the dude who's, who had, I think he had grown up in this house. He had like a bunch of his shit in like the closet and like the little crawl space of stuff, like just storage yeah, yeah. and shit. It was like, fine, I, I love that dude. Um, but it was just like, I had very little space to myself. Yeah. I don't um, think I can move to New York cause of that. Yeah. It's, it, <laughs> you know, like I, 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 I've been living like in large spaces in like random cities yeah, with, mm-hmm. yeah, just, and then all of a sudden thinking about paying $2,000 for like a closet. I'm oh, like, man, I don't know yeah. if I can do that right now. Yeah. It's, it's dumb. I'll tell you, it's fucking stupid. I mean, if you have a way to to can be somewhere else and be somewhere else. Mm. Um, I think that New York is just offering me so much with just like community and like, you know, artists that I'm around who I like really connect with and, yeah. and who are I making mean, great work. It seems like you're like taking that. advantage of it. Yeah. I mean, you're doing it in a way that seems like it makes it worth it. Yeah. And I do feel like my experience is worth it. I mean, I think that there's still misery because it's expensive and the apartments are small and space is a commodity, but like, I think that like the friends that I have there are like the closest friends I've ever had and like actually look out for me. And like, it's interesting, like the friends who, and not that like I'm upset at any of my friends for not hitting me up, but like my social dynamics have changed because I don't really drink and I don't have any social media. So it's like my friends make it, you know, like my close friends make it a point to like reach out to me yeah, and not to do anything, but to just say, yo, what's up? I was thinking about you. What you doing? You want to hang out? Like, yeah, you know? Yeah. And so like, I had never really had that in any other city before to like that degree. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I feel, I feel like comfortable there. You and think, I, do you consider yourself a New Yorker? Well, I know I asked because it seems like you have a weird relationship with Kansas city. And I think about home a lot. Right. Cause like, mm-hmm, tech, mm-hmm. like I <clears throat> born in Long Beach, then moved to New York city and then moved to like New Hampshire. And like, I yeah. don't like, I'm not really close to New Hampshire and like, I, I like New York, but like I di- didn't live there as an adult. And yeah. so like, I don't really have a place that is easy for me to so like, well, I don't know what's home. Yeah. And the last place I said that was home was like Pittsburgh. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. I, that was the place I felt closest to. I went to grad school there and like, I felt like I sort of became a, an artist there and, and like more, more close to the person I, I imagined myself to be. Yeah, for sure. I feel like that in New York, um, I'd never considered Kansas City my home, even though like my family's from there and I was born and raised there. I like never like connected with it as home. I always wanted to leave. That's why I asked. That, yeah, that's yeah. what I was asking. And I do feel at home in New York, but at some point I want to like buy a house and have some fucking and space. Yeah, and like no, I'll never yeah, be yeah, able to do that do shit in New York. So like there's definitely, I don't know when the expiration date is, but I'm not going to be there forever. And also like New York is weirdly inaccessible because so many of the buildings are old and everything's a walk up. And like, yeah. I just know people who have like back problems or like older and they really struggle because just like, I don't want to be old in New York. I feel it like (laughs) it just does not seem pleasant. I don't know where I would go. 
Um, but I'm not really worried about it. But Yo, you've been seeing a lot of places because you also yeah. been like you've driven around a lot of different places. Yeah. You're, I mean, we, I touched about this earlier, and it's not that that important. But like you were like working for different uh, film festivals, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, and you're doing a lot of residencies, right? Yeah. yeah. And for me, at least, residencies have taken me to like random places. I would yeah, never. For sure. I mean, yeah, like I would never have gone to fucking Utah if it wasn't like for Sundance. Um, And I was out there for like two months in Park City, Utah, which is like, have you ever been to Park City? I drove through it. It's like, I mean, Sundance is fun if you're not working there. I think that like it's it's it works like a fucking corporation, you know, and so like anything that big has has to. And it doesn't and it honestly does not pay its workers well. Like I was like just an hourly worker and I was gonna pay like nine fifty or ten dollars an hour and working ten hours a day, you know, like and they were not they don't help you with your flights, they don't help you with housing and all terrible. It's really shitty. I feel like but like it's it's fun because it's like a bunch of famous people come there and a bunch of really fucking rich people come there. So like all the parties are fun and like oh, yeah. there's just like shit going on, you know, like it's fun in that way. But like, I don't know. But like, it's like I'm glad that I had that experience, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, and what like, do you think about residencies? What do they do for you, I guess? I think that like, I think because I don't experience any kind of artistic block, it's not even about making the work. It's about meeting the people. Yeah. You know, and I think that just like a lot of my work is just about kind of connecting with people. And I'm just in general interested about connecting with people. And like, we talked a little bit about like history, just kind of briefly. And just like, I'm interested in people, you know, and just like how they are connecting and how they're, you know, having conversations or like how they're not having conversations or where that those struggles are. So I just like to meet different people and understand different cultures. You know, Um, I think it's been productive. I think that like, yeah, and it's interesting. I'm, and I think the residency has, I've been at have been diverse in a way. I was at the Salton Stall residency. It's upstate New York. It's in Ithaca. It's for New York residents only. I think I, I lived in Ithaca for four years. Yeah, I, yeah. I went. I went to Cornell. Oh, cool. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. It's yeah. Oh, yeah. You did. I remember you told me that. Yeah. Yeah. It's cute. Ithaca's cute. Um, but Ithaca's gorgeous. Yeah. Did you I, ever get? Did you get that? Did you see those shirts everywhere? Yes, I did. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, but like that residency, it was only five of us. And like, I was the youngest person. The other person, the other writer was like two years older than me. She was, she is a Chilean, uh-huh. Chilean American. Uh huh. Um, first generation, I'm pretty sure. And the other people were like older white people with varying like experiences with degrees. It was like a couple 50 year olds. One was a tenured professor at Sarah Lawrence. The other one was just like a working artist in Buffalo. And then, this other dude was a like an eighty eight year old white dude who had been in like New York for Ever. since the fifties and yeah. like had a bunch of stories and it was cool. So it was interesting to see all those kind of variations of like how are y'all, you know, writing and how are coaching y'all, things yeah, and yeah. how are you like taking my work because it's so specific, like it's so coded and it's yeah, so yeah. like I'm playing around and I'm like cussing, but like I'm saying stuff, but it's like. I'm coding it, you know. It's like yeah, I'm saying yeah. stuff, but I'm also like having fun, like you know. I think that having fun is important if I'm going to make shit. And I think that it's been largely positive. I've learned a lot. I think that people are, the thing that most people, um, and some of the older white people here at Vermont Studio Center have told me, have like said that they like the conversation, conversationalness of it. Yeah. And I think that that is, is good. I think that like, I feel like it doesn't, when I write something, even if it's like intentionally, like I'm speaking about a topic or a thing or like I'm trying to like work out something very specific, it's like, I'm also not trying to teach you anything. It's like, I'm just kind of thinking this thing through. And so I want it to be conversational so the reader can think about it with me, you know? Yeah. And it's like, 
But if even if you don't get it or if you're not interested or whatever, I still want it to be kind of conversational and like I still want you to be able to engage with it in some way. Yeah. You know, and I feel like a lot of work just kind of refuses to engage with any audience. I mean, it has an audience, but I feel like I want to talk with I want to have a conversation. I want to talk with my audience. I don't want to talk to an audience, you know. Yeah. And so I think that it's been good. I think that like Well, there's a vulnerability to it, right? Yeah. It's vulnerable so it allows people to enter versus like having this wall of of formalism. Yeah. Yeah, and vulnerability is really huge for me too. I mean, and going back to like that story about like the avocado toast, just like it's vulnerable of me to just say something ignorant like call this person a bitch yeah. and like talk all types of shit about her when I'm literally doing the same thing, you know? It's like I don't ever see people in writing um, or in like a lot of art just admitting that they were wrong you know I always say that it's okay to be ignorant well, people have a hard time saying they're wrong yeah I know like, it's the hardest thing I was talking with my other friend earlier and she was talking about uh, I was talking about being right as being violent like I want like people aren't having conversations like people are just they just want to they're not listening they want to talk and they want to be right yeah. but like and she said it was something like what do you get from being right besides a sharp angle? You know? And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, that's a bar. Shout out to you, Jacelia. And I was like, yeah, just trying to be right is being violent. I'm not interested in being right. I'm interested in like having a conversation and, yeah. and like broadening my perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just being vulnerable. You know, I feel like I don't see people really being vulnerable. I, th- I feel like I see people talking about vulner- vulnerability yeah. or like talking about mental health, which I think is good. Like, it's good that people are talking about being depressed and being anxious, but I feel like a lot of people are talking about things like this in like very kind of hashtaggy terms, like, oh, I'm depressed and then they'll move on. Or like, oh, I'm depressed, so I like stayed in the house. And I'm like, yeah, that's important. Like, it's important that you're naming something that you were like opening yourself up. And I know that it's hard to talk about these things because they're so intensely personal, but like, I feel like it's an opportunity to really kind of like, vulnerability will connect you with somebody you know even if it's hard like i mean all the fucking times like the few days that i like was super anxious and didn't show up for any of the meals or whatever you know like i like just told myself like i you know made myself kind of talk about what i was thinking through and even though i was like it was kind of hard and whatever and just like you and joven almaz and cindy like all of all all of us and like melanie a lot y'all like understood what i was saying when i was being vulnerable and so like that is really important to me and so it's like it was hard to just like put it into words or just to open myself up yeah. because I was so raw for so many days. But like it all, it ultimately strengthened the bond because it's like, okay, like not only did y'all make space in y'all self to like do the emotional labor, you did it willingly. And like you heard me out and you know, and it doesn't matter if it's like, to me, if it's like, it just is like good to get it out and to like feel heard and to feel like people are trying to understand you. Even if they don't understand you, it's like I'm making the space to like, to be here for you even if I don't understand I'm like here for you and yeah. I think that is important and that's what I want to like yeah and I feel like yeah just in a lot of art people don't go that far like they're like tiptoeing like I want to be vulnerable and I'm like I'm anxious but like put a wall up you yeah. know and I just feel like that's a dropped oppor- opportunity to yeah. to like really connect with somebody and really change somebody's life I remember there's a story I wasn't I work at this bookstore in New York who I won't name because like they don't pay me enough but <laughs> like you're currently working yeah I'm currently uh, okay. working there yeah um yeah but so we have copies of my book in the bookstore and I wasn't here when this happened but there was two copies at the time 
Um, and I got the job because one of the managers has seen me read. And I mean, I just am like well read and I can sell books too, like to my credit. But like it helped that like I like somebody seen me read and I like my work. Yeah, yeah. But so there was a guy who was here who was there with like this girl he was seeing and he was looking around for a while and he picked up my book and he read the first couple pages and he ended up buying both copies. Okay. And the, the assistant manager was like excited because she's like, oh shit, like do you know Mark? Are these books still here? And he was like, no, nah, like I... I just like picked it up and started reading and thought it was fire and I had to buy both copies. And so he kept one and like gave one to the person that he was with at the time. Oh, nice. That's, yeah. that, that, that probably felt really good. Yeah. And he, and did he talk to you or yeah, and so like you weren't, or you weren't there? At the time. I wasn't there at the uh, time. Okay. But eventually like at the time, I think at the time I was like not really engaging deeply with Instagram. I was kind of tiptoeing with yeah. like just kind of taking step back, but I eventually uh, logged back in and I got an email from, or a message from this oh, person. Nice saying that like yo I just wanted you to know I appreciate your shit like I always want to like I always like am trying to read or see art but I like rarely see myself in it essentially is what he said or like I rarely like see something that like sounds like I sound yeah you know and I think that that's super important you know and it's just like I think that that is what the audience that I'm trying to like tap into just like people and like not not only, but like, you know, like people of color who want to engage in literature, who want to read and want yeah. to see art and want to make art, but like don't really, there's like a cognitive dissonance. because and there's they a barrier yeah. and also like society telling you what you can or can't do. Yeah, you know, yeah. and so like people who don't, who want to do the shit or like want to engage with it, but like cannot find themselves in it. And so yeah. it's hard for them to really attach themselves to it. And then like people are just like, well, I don't like art or I don't like this. Yeah. And it's just like, it's not that you don't or that you're that you don't know how to read or there's nothing for you. It's just like literally there are barriers. Yeah. And so I'm trying to like kind of create those. And like, so like, I don't think that I ever like really make money from being uh, like a writer, but I think that I do it for shit like that where it's just like somebody read and just felt seen. And like, that is just like a powerful feeling, you know, to just feel like, Oh, somebody understands me in some way or they're like, Oh, this work exists that I can engage with. And that is specifically for me. And not that, like, other people who are not people of color can't read it, because, like, many of the people who are my fans who will, like, talk to and, like, buy my book at work are white. Um, but it's, like, just also good, but, like, so there's so much for them, you yeah. know, and there's so little for us a yeah, lot of the yeah. times. That's why, like, I only, you know, I, I write, like, kind of colloquially, and, like, I, like, invent words and, like, make up spelling just to be, like, I'm not, if you don't understand then it's just not for you, you know? You can still read and enjoy it, but, like, you don't have to understand it. But, like, I'm speaking to somebody, and, like, maybe you're not in the conversation, maybe you are, Yeah. you know? Yeah. But, you know, it's for, it's, anybody can read it, but, like, I'm trying to, like, find those people who want to be seen who have just never been seen, Yeah. you know? Who have never felt seen. So, yeah, I think that's pretty important to me. That's, I think, a good place to end, no? Yeah. And where can people find you? People can find my Instagram. It's Marcus Scott Williams, no trick spellings. Um, I'm not really on Instagram like that. Um, and where can people buy your book? People can buy my book. Well, okay, so you can. There's another whole weird oh, thing. Oh, you is can, it? Well, it's like you. It's available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, but because I, I own the ISBN, it was published by a small, super like micro press, and then they folded and they gave me the ISBN. So I own the ISBN. It's printed through like Ingram Publishing Services. Okay. 
and they make it available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. But Amazon has a weird way of listing shit that like shows kind of priority. So like, uh, so, so, they, so they search your title, it won't come up first. It'll come up, but it'll come up as unavailable, which is not true. So um, then how do they order it? You can get it from uh, Barnes and Noble or honestly, like if you want to, if you can't find my book and you want to get it from me, just send me like an email. Okay. It's uh, MSWYFM at gmail.com and I'll like order a book for you just because I own the ISBN. So like you can just, you can just hit me up or just like message me on Instagram and at some point <laughs> I'll, I'll get the message. Yeah. Um, and like shout outs to everybody at the Vermont Studio Center who's really been like there for me. You Jova, Cindy, Joe Stewart, shit, who else? Melanie, Almaz, who else in the group? Kathy. Kathy's work really like is very good. Like everybody's work is so good and like, yeah, just everybody who's like really, really like been there for me. Like I'm I'm happy that I'm here specifically to have met all y'all and like mm-hmm. to have made the community with y'all. Um, I, I mean, Sarah Ardsley too. Sarah's work is also very good. She has some very like cool, funny poems. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I mean yeah, I mean I think like this is the first time I've been at a residency this large with this many like POCs. Yeah, yeah for so sure. it's been sort of it's different and fun and yeah, like I, I didn't usually. I don't, I'm sure similar to you. I'm yeah. usually like the only POC. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Usually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it's been it's been nice and like no matter what people have been like throwing shade for for us like doing our own thing, it's like it's important that we that I feel like that we have the space to like really do our own do yeah. our own thing and like we do things with everybody but like i'm just like happy that like we're together yeah for sure yeah all right thanks marcus thank you i appreciate you seeing color is recorded edited and produced by myself z1 chung original music by alex chow you can find more information on the website www.seeingcolorpod.com or on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Seeing Color Pod. If you enjoy this show and have the time, I'd appreciate if you could go to Apple Podcast or wherever you listen and give Seeing Color a five-star review. This really helps others discover the show and gives greater visibility for everyone on Seeing Color. Again, Thank you so much for listening and goodbye for now.